0: today on city cash chicago i love the title y'all Where fair funds the cta and the magic stump to answer those questions and more i've got chicago politics reporter for wttw heather Sharon and the managing print editor for the depaulia nadia hernandez it's friday october 21st i'm jacoby cochran and this is city cash chicago Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Nadia. Welcome to City Cast.
1: Good morning. Hi, thank you.
0: I appreciate y'all being here. Um, Obviously, we are in Halloween season. I think we're about, what, nine days away from people really hitting the streets trick-or-treating. I'm not really sure if y'all grew up going door-to-door. It wasn't really something that we did in my neighborhood. We did it a couple times, Uh, but a staple is obviously the candy. And so I want to know, what's y'all favorite Halloween candy? Nadia, I'm going to start with you. Maybe if y'all need some time, take it. But like I said, I was going to hit you out of nowhere with the question, because I want to know what 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 immediately comes to mind. Nadia, what's that go-to for you?
1: Oh, my God, it has to be Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I okay. can't, can't with anything else. <laughs>
0: If you get to a house and they just got a bucket, you getting, you, you, you're going to be considerate and you're just going to grab a couple or you're going to get a little, you know, a little disrespectful and maybe get a handful and, and put them in your toe. What you going to do?
1: Well, it depends. If I knew the person, I'd probably grab more <laughs> if I didn't. And if especially if it was like just on their porch and no one was around, I would just like. I'd
0: be that kid. <laughs> Probably more. I appreciate you being honest. If it was some chews or some fruities, I'm not going to lie. For me, those are the two candies that I'm like, there was one house that they they put them in the like small, skinny um, plastic bag and just like filled it with chews and fruities like you would see, like if you was on the Dan Ryan or something. Oh my God, those that was the best house. And I, w- I would have to grab it like two or three at the door. Uh, Heather, what's your go-to candy? You got to top chews, fruities, and Reese's peanut butter cups.
2: It's got to be Twix.
0: Oh, mini size. Or did you have a house giving out full size Twix on the block?
2: So when I grew up, I grew up in one of those high rises right along the lake in Mm -hmm. Edgewater. So we would not leave the building, but we would just go sort of floor to floor, which was nice because we weren't freezing because it's always too cold on Halloween in mm-hmm. Chicago. So people were just wood wild because it was like your neighbors that you would see in the elevator every day. And you <laughs> did not want to be like, here are some raisins, although we had people who did that, don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, raise the houses. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So you, you you took what you were offered and it was like a very like one-on-one experience. So it was not a, let me grab two or three of these Twix because people would talk and people would tell your parents. My kids are growing up in Park Ridge, which is a suburb northwest of the city, and those houses are, are crazy, especially in the, the, the nice neighborhood. So we go a couple of mm-hmm. streets over and there's like <laughs> here. Here's a 12 pack of, of, of Twix from Costco. And, I, and, oh, okay. and I'm and i just from, like, what, from what from are you people doing? Who,
0: who wasn't doing it like that yes. to the people who ball and ball. Yes. Every Friday on CityCast, we bring on some amazing guests like yourselves, and we ask them what were the stories they were following this week, the ones that were important to them. Heather, what was that top story uh, that you want to put CityCast listeners on this week?
2: Well, we are in the middle of budget hearings. Yes, we are. It is roughly two weeks where every department head gets their time in the hot seat in front of the city council, and each city council member gets 10 minutes at a time to ask them whatever they want to ask them about their budget, and this is the lead-up to a series of votes on the mayor's $16.4 billion proposal for 2023. It's a lot of money, and... I've been listening in on these hearings and these, you know, sort of listening to the questions. And what I try to do is look for patterns, right? Is there one kind of question that's coming up all of the time? And many questions have, have really focused on the city's chicago recovery plan now this mm-hmm. started back in a nearly a year ago the city got nearly two billion dollars from the american rescue plan signed by president joe biden and the city really wanted to use that money to do two things one to keep its budget from being out of the red and two to use that money to sort of strengthen the city's social safety net which we know has been really tested by covid and people are really struggling. So a lot of the questions from older people were like, why haven't we spent this money? Why haven't we spent that money? Why haven't we spent this other pot of money? And I thought, well, that's a story. So I- (laughs) <laughs> I dug into it. And essentially, there's just been sort of a couple of things happening at City Hall. There's a lot of red tape. It's really hard to spend 1.23, almost $1. $1.3 billion in a given period of time, because the city can't just cut checks, right? They've got to issue proposals, they have to review those proposals, they have to approve the winning proposal, and then the money heads out.
0: And the plan was always to to spread this money out over a couple years, right? Right. You can, what, use it by 2026, but it needs to be appropriated by 2024. And like you said the mayor earmarked for certain things so like 84 million for violence prevention but you only use 2.7 so far and 116 million for to help unhouse chicagoans but you only use 18 million so far so there there seems to be some some huge gaps
2: right so just in 2022 so far through september only $130 million has been spent. And by the end of the year, they expect to spend $250 million. But if you're talking about a $1.3 billion plan, that's a very small amount. And honestly, that is potentially a problem for not only the mayor, but older people who are running for reelection in just a couple of months. They wanna be able to point to this money and people are out there struggling. We know that, right?
0: Another question that you pose in your reporting is, as the mayor has been going out, Nadia, I'm sure you've seen this, the mayor came out and gave her budget proposal. And she said, well, we're going to do you know more investment in these same programs. But a lot of that money seems like rollover money. So, Heather, am I right in maybe suggesting that the mayor is trying to double dip and take credit for this, the, the, this same money? twice
2: yeah that's exactly what the alder people told me was happening now if you listen to the mayor's budget speech you heard her say that the city has 200 million dollars to spend on homelessness service well that sounds great but essentially half of that nearly a 100 million dollars is money that was in the 2022 budget mm-hmm. so essentially, the city's already sort of said we have this. We we have claimed credit for this spending on homelessness, but we're claiming credit for it again.
0: When you talk to Mayor Lori Leifa, what is she saying? The reason is. Uh, for this money not being spent.
2: That what she told me was that the the first year was designed to sort of focus on creating an economic blueprint. And that's fine. And I talked to the city's chief financial officer who said, we don't want to overwhelm these nonprofit groups that will do the direct services. You know, they might not be able to handle $50 million at a time. They might not be able to handle $25 million at a time.
0: Uh, Nadia, we have a municipal election coming up. We are in midterm election a couple of weeks from now, right? The mayor's budget is going to potentially have consequences um, when election season come around. What does that look like on campus as you all are considering these two major election seasons?
1: I think one of the big things considering DePaul is such a mixed population of students. So you're not necessarily seeing people all from Chicago. You kind of see that. You see from people from out of state. You have a lot of people also too who live in Illinois but are not registered voters in Cook County. So I think one of the biggest things that Apalia has been trying to figure out is how do we inform voters? How do we get students who may have been living in Chicago for the past couple of years but are still not registered voters in Cook County? And so it's kind of framing it in a way where we want to encourage students to be able to recognize like you still have the power here. Um, So funneling them into Cook County, um, learning a little bit about kind of the specific politics that are here. Also recognizing that Mayor Lightfoot has a little bit more of like that intimate impact, Um, recognizing how much our judges have in terms of what we see around. So it's definitely a big mix of like, how do we make it relevant to students um but also to how do we inform students that they can even apply this knowledge for wherever they are within after graduation or even if they're not even from chicago and they don't see long-term being in
0: chicago mm-hmm. i think when people talk about young people especially it's a it's really easy to like write them off as they don't even vote but i looked this up in the washington post says then 2020 election 66 percent of college students who are registered to vote Cast their ballots, right? An increase of fourteen percent, and in the last midterms, voter turnout was forty percent, which was double the previous midterm. And so there is an opportunity not only with the twenty twenty two midterm elections. And so Nadia, what are some of those resources, some of those voter guys that that the depaulia and yourself are trying to get students um hip to? Do I sound old as hell when I say that hip <laughs> to? Yeah, I probably do. What you trying to, What you trying to put them on? Right? I'm trying too yeah. hard. Go ahead. You got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, we actually have a really great organization on campus called Vote DePaul, who are actually actively registering voters on campus. So we see a lot with, like, freshmen who just came in um, who may have just turned 18. They're not registered yet. And I remember we did or I did a story maybe back in 2020 that they had registered about 150 students on campus. But also too on resources, we have so many just local panels on campus that talk about, okay, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, And I think that's very important because I don't think the younger generation is lacking the willingness to participate. I just don't think they are educated enough to know how to participate and know how they can be an active agent in that.
0: Heather. What is your second story? You know, one that maybe people didn't uh, pay as much attention to this week, but you don't want to pass them by.
2: Well, I think this got a fair amount of press, so it's probably not under the radar, but I think it's really important, the story, that there is a member of the Chicago Police Department who has ties to the Proud Boy far-right extremist group, which has espoused anti-Semitic and anti-gay rhetoric, and he will not be fired for lying about those ties during a investigation by the department's internal affairs. And instead... Is this like
0: he related to somebody or he'd be at like the meetings?
2: So he is accused that he attended a barbecue that was hosted by the Proud Boys and that he was a member of their sort of social media chats. Like those were the allegations. Also... Um, it appears that he was at one point under investigation by the FBI, and one of the things that he was found to have done was to lie about that to department officials. So instead of being fired, which was the recommendation of the Inspector General's office, he's going to be suspended for 120 days. But I think that you know a lot of people are really concerned that this this person who we are not identifying because we haven't been able to reach him and he's not been charged with. The crime um, will remain an officer with the ability to arrest people and interact with them in an official capacity. Uh,
0: the Southern Law Poverty Center IDs, IDs the Proud Boys as a hate group, uh, to be clear. And as you were walking through the story, as I was reading it throughout the week, I'm gonna be real. There wasn't like an ounce of shock in my bones. It's like our, our country has a long public history of hate groups being intertwined with the criminal legal and criminal justice system, everything from judges to police to political officials. There have been plenty of exposés done about the online community of hate groups and, and how many, um, you know, different officials participate in those hate groups. Right. Heather, has the mayor said anything about this cop?
2: So I asked her about it and she said that she was essentially confident that the investigation was thorough and that the The punishment reflects the evidence that that um, investigation found. So she did not call for this officer to be fired, and she defended the departmental process. Now, I haven't been able to get a response from Superintendent David Brown, and it was really his decision not to sort of pursue terminating this officer. Now, the mayor is certainly sort of accountable for that because she Mm -hmm. appoints the superintendent. He serves at her pleasure. She could fire him if she wanted. But I suspect that um, we're going to hear a little bit more um, from David Brown in a a little bit when he goes before the city for his budget hearing. And that will give Alder people a chance to ask him directly sort of why he came to this conclusion and why they did not seek to terminate this officer who was found to have lied as part of the investigation. And part of the departmental's rules are that you can be terminated if you lie to investigators.
0: Nadia, Mayor Lightfoot has at times been referred to as a a cop right uh you know a 12 empathizer. you know you think this will have any impact on her in february not asking for this cop to be fired
1: it would shock me if it didn't pertain to voters and i think especially with my generation who people are going to keep that in mind and especially because gen z has allegedly denounced um, white supremacist groups such as the proud boys and you know Mary Lightfoot had a lot of potential in the beginning, being the first openly lesbian and black mayor, and it was amazing. But soon after, like I think Gen Z started like that Mary Lightfoot was a cop. I know someone that's Twitter handles like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um Uh, Beyond what's going on inside of CPD, which we could talk about for days, there are other city institutions that have ongoing uh, concerns and that uh, students and residents alike. Nadia, I know that DePauli is working on a story uh, about CTA. Can you uh, tell me a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah, so DePauli is largely a commuter school, and that means a lot of different things in terms of, like, Being able to commute just from the CTA or even just from Metro, people drive, which I think is insane. Um, And even just for me, for someone who commutes, like I get on Sheridan. Sometimes the red line's not coming for like twenty minutes. I got class in half an hour. I still need to get coffee. (laughs) I have (laughs) a lot of different things I need to do, Um, and it's largely frustrated a lot of students because that's just how they get around. That's how they make. That's just what art is the most accessible and. DePaul charges us for a Mm U-pass, like, recently, I think within the last couple years, especially when people weren't on campus, we were able to, like, opt out of that, um, and I can definitely see a future where more students are going to opt out of that if the CTA remains unreliable, um, but it's really been an issue, especially because DePaul proposed, like, a new plan where we're going to have, like, buses between campuses, but for people who don't live on campus, like, What's that going to do? <laughs> really, mm-hmm. Like, I don't live anywhere near Lincoln Park. So we're really interested in seeing what students are frustrated with. Um, because at the end of the day, like we are being charged for this and the service isn't really serving us.
0: Heather, there have been budget increases, right? Two months ago, there was, uh, you know, they came together to to meet the moment. And, and it doesn't seem like that's happening.
2: Yeah, so the CTA is still very much in like the middle of their, how do we emerge from the pandemic Problems. One, ridership is way down because, you know, people just don't feel comfortable. People are, a lot of people are still working remotely, so they don't need to commute. So that has really made CTA say, well, maybe we don't need to run as many trains and buses as we used to. So people are sort of, you know, recognizing that they can't count on a train every seven minutes in rush hour and, you know, every 15 minutes during off-peak hours. But the other thing is people are leaving CTA because it was really hard to work for CTA during the pandemic, right? You had people who wouldn't wear a mask. You were worried about getting sick. In some cases, bus drivers got sick and died. So this was, a you know, people just did not want to do this job. So the CTA has really been struggling to retain its workforce. And then at the same time, there's been a pretty significant uptick in the number of violent crimes and property crimes on the CTA. So that just depresses ridership further because if you are worried about being attacked or robbed, you're not going to get on that red line. You're not going to get on that blue line. So there are going to be a lot of questions that not only Dorval Carter is going to have to answer, but also the the mayor's administration is going to to have to answer as well.
0: Every episode of Citycast Chicago ends with a uh, some good news to get the people through the weekend. Uh Citycast fans have been telling me that they uh, somebody sent me a video of their daughter singing that like she must have been like 2 or 3 years old uh made my entire day. Um so we got to make some people's day to with a little bit of good news. Heather, I'm going to start with you. What's your some good news for the people?
2: So, like a lot of basic people during the pandemic I got really into birds, right? <laughs> I
0: <Like, laughs> mean, like like YouTube videos, like National Geographic, or like going out there and doing a little bit of binocular yeah,
2: work. Yeah, a little bit of binoculars, putting up a bird feeder, being very excited <laughs> when a cardinal came into our backyard. Like, I got into <laughs> it. So I was really fascinated to read my um, WTTW co workers, uh, Patty Wetley's story that there is a magic stump in downstate yeah so and what makes this stump magic is apparently that it draws all of these rare birds and that these birds just flock to the stump and they hang out there and the it's like in the middle of a farm so the the farmer who owns the field has let birders set up like video cameras so they can like get really up close and personal looks at these birds and But it
0: ain't not just like no south side pigeons.
2: Yeah, no. We're talking prairie falcons which is, which is a raptor that are very rare and that like birders have not really had a chance to witness up close and nobody's really sure why this stump is such a magnet for these birds, but it has something to do with the the reason like They speculate because it's right on the edge of like a farm near like a forest and it's where a sort of a glacier was back, you know, when there were glaciers in central Illinois. And it's just it was just a really fascinating story that really just scratched my um, I'm a birder person. It, <laughs> and I, I love the fact that, like, stuff happens. And despite all of the science knowledge we've had and, like, everything, like, uh, you know, on some level, like, we're all just sort of, like, groping around in the dark. And we're like, yeah, it's a stump. It's magic, man. I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> it's such a cool story. I'm glad you shared it with me this week. Um, the, the Magic Stump is a documentary that people could check out. And so we'll, we'll drop some links uh, to the piece as well. Um, Nadia. What's yo some good news for City Cast?
1: Yeah, so I've been growing my own sunflower, and a new like bud bloomed the other day, oh, and I'm so political. obsessed. I feel like such a successful plant mom. I've been watering it, been paying attention to it. It is alive. It is growing more, and so I'm just so proud because this is like my first plant, and it's literally my child.
0: Uh, so this sunflower, how long has it been in the making? And and this is indoors? You're you're raising this yeah, it's in indoors. the career?
1: I grew it out of my dorm and it bloomed. I took it back to my house over in the burbs over the summer, kept it alive. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved into my new place, I brought it with me and then it finally bloomed. Um, and then it's now blooming again. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I could get so emotional. Like this thing is like so cool. Um, <laughs> I've been doing so much research. I bought like so many things. Um, and it's been indoors very successfully. I just have to make sure that like, it's not too cold. Um, and I buy a lot of dirt. I never thought I would do that in my life, but I buy a lot of dirt for it.
0: Good for you. Not only have you traveled with it, you kept it alive in a dorm room. Come on. I think, I think that's, yeah, we I like the applause that Heather gave. Like the silent applause, <laughs> I think, is nice. I hope the City Cast listeners is nodding along with you, nodding. Like, that's nice. That's impressive. All right, so between y'all birds, between y'all plants, y'all really are, are, are hooking it up with the good news. So I'm going to finish us off with some music. The time that it take I hustle like a father of six. My heart is like a bottomless pit. I'm like proud of the fit because I'm proud of um, My good news for the week, my. Some good news. Is the first single from Pivot Gang in three years. Uh, they just dropped a song this week called Aim. Features the entire gang from uh, Saba to Mello, Joseph Chillums, and Fresh Waters. Uh, the song is great. At this point, I hope the producers just like put the hook in there real quick so it'll like vibe out so people can listen to it. Hopping out the water like Ain, with my gang, nigga, got that fire like Aang, with my gang. And that's when it goes, and then it goes, and then it goes. Um. I love Pivot Gang. I've been to see them in concert a few times uh, and they're going to have a concert later in November uh, in honor of one of their founding members who passed away some years ago. Shout out to Pivot Gang. Uh, shout out to Nadia Hernandez, Heather Sharon for stopping by City CityCast Chicago to show us love and to break down a couple stories from the week. Again, means so much to the entire team.
2: It was great. I always have a great time. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Before I let you go, you know I got to get the trick-or-treat preferences from the team. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, what's your candy of choice?
2: I am always on the lookout for Heath Bars or Butterfingers. You know, basically anything that really gets stuck in your teeth.
0: Producer Simone, Ali said, what's your go-to treat?
2: I got to go with Snickers. I think it's the most
1: substantial candy you can get on Halloween, but... I'll also throw down on anything
0: chewy and fruity. Newsletter writer Sydney Man, wish you got your tooth sweet.
1: I loved Sour Patch Kids and I would eat all the sugar off the bottom.
0: And producer Julia Fiaioni, uh, what'd you like in your little pumpkin skull when you pull up at the dough?
1: I've got to say
2: mine would be the pumpkin shaped Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I know they taste exactly the same, but there's just something special about only getting those once a year.
0: If you got a favorite candy you want to share with us at CityCast, go on send us a text or a voicemail at 773-780-0246. Leave your name, your neighborhood, and your favorite candy. You're also listening to those amazing tunes from the likes of Sam Thousand, All the Kimonos, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. Make some noise for the music. Thank you for making CityCast Chicago a part of your daily, your weekly, or whenever you got some time routine. Uh, and if you haven't already, subscribe to our daily newsletter, "Hey Chicago" at Chicago.CityCast.FM. I'm going to talk to y'all on Monday. I'm going to go listen to Aang a couple more times. Peace. And me, y'all heard me early. I like some fruits and some chewedies. <laughs> some fruits and some chewedies. <laughs>